everyone. Welcome to Central American Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. So today we are with Cristina Rodriguez. She, is, uh, she her, ella pronouns, is a first-generation U.S.-born Nicaraguense and founder of Latinas with Masters, a graduate school resource guide for first-generation college students navigating higher education. Thank you so much, Cristina, for being with us today. It's honestly a huge pleasure to have you here. No, thank you very much. I appreciate, you know, Central American Voices welcoming me into the space. And I'm I'm a fangirl as well of the platform. And so I'm happy that I was, you know, we had the opportunity to connect and for me to be a guest. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, just to kind of start, Christina, I always like ask this question because again, because of the platform, but you know, you're in Nicaragua, you were uh, born here and raised in the Bay Area. How was your experience growing up as a Central American? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was born in San Francisco and my parents um, immigrated here from Nicaragua, um, you know, during the war. You know, they they left Nicaragua to come to the United States and I had family members over here as well. Um, and so I actually uh, learned how to speak Spanish first and they taught me English at school, but even in elementary school, I would always say I'm Nicaragüense, I'm Nicaragüense, right? A lot of my friends were Nicaragüense, Salvadorian, Guatemaltecos, you know, like there was a lot of Central American, Mexican American influences around me. Um, so I thought it was normal. I felt like, okay, you speak Spanish. If I hear your accent, I, I have an idea of, you know, what country you're from, or, you know, that we're Central American. Um, and I didn't, see the difference until I moved when I was in sixth grade, I moved to Cupertino, which is in the South Bay. And there they made it very clear that I was Latina, the only Latina, um, because the Latinos that were there were mostly Mexican, right? San Jose mm -hmm. being predominantly Mexican um, population. So a lot of people did not understand, you know, where Nicaragua was or what Central America um, is. And so I had to, in a way, educate my friends and be like, I am not Mexican. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I'm born here, but I also speak Spanish and I come from a Nicaraguan background. And it came to the point where when I got into high school and my friends met other Nicaragüenses is when they were like, oh, you should meet Christina. She's from Nicaragua too, you know? <laughs> And that to me, I was like, damn, that's hella dope that it took this long. But still, mm -hmm. the fact that they can, you know, come across another Central American or other Nicaragüense and be like, oh, you know, my girl, Christina, oh, you got to like meet her, dude, because she's straight up Nicaragüense. And so that to me, I took a lot of pride in that, you know, and so but it was difficult, like, you know, growing up in San Francisco, Daly City area, again, you know, uh, it was predominantly like Latinos, Filipinos, it was very diverse, you know, but then when you move into a predominantly white space, you're just like, wow, they make mm -hmm. it really known that you're Latina or that you're Nicaragüense. And even that, you know, you're still labeled until this box, right? Because I did mm -hmm. meet other Central Americans. I did meet South Americans, but we were always other like, oh no, yeah, you, you speak Spanish, you're Mexican. Mm -hmm. And in a way yeah. I felt bad because I used to be like, I'm not Mexican. And I would say it like that. But then I realized, wow, like they were really trying to create a negative message when they were saying that I was Mexican. And, mm -hmm. and because I was Nicaragüense, I didn't really see that. You know, I just thought mm -hmm. of it as like, I'm not Mexican. 
And as I got older, I was just like, I could have answered that a little bit better. You know, I could have been yeah. like, you know what? And so what if I was Mexican, you know, like what's mm-hmm. the problem, but you don't know what you don't know until, you know, you're, yeah. you're encountered with that type of education or you're informed with that type of behavior, right? Of, of those type of microaggressions, right? Because mm-hmm. I definitely was, you know, they definitely reached out to me and they would be like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from San Francisco. No, where are you really from? Yeah. And I was like, America? Like, I mean, I'm American, I guess, if you want to know where I was born, but I'm Nicaragüense? Like, what are you trying to ask me? Like, in a way, I was like, putting it back on their court. Like, what are you mm-hmm. trying to ask me, dude? If I speak Spanish, if like, where my family's from? Am I black? Yeah. Am I Indian? Like, what is your question? So, yeah, it was very interesting dynamic, you know? And now as a mother, my husband is Mexican, Mm-hmm. You know, and so now my kids are, you know, Mexican and Nicaragüense, but as much American as they are too, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like now I have to incorporate, of course, I would love to incorporate their both cultures right into their upbringing, you know, um, and so my daughter asked me the other day, like, mom, what am I? Like, am I Nicaragüense? Am I Mexican? Like, what am I? And then I said, you're both. You're all those things. You don't have mm-hmm. to choose one or the other. Um, and it, and it, and I also let her know you are what you're comfortable with, you know, like, yeah. and so she knows like, oh, I'm Mexican. Oh, I'm Nicara, I'm Nicaraguense. But to, to the extent of what she thinks you need to be to represent that culture, I don't think she's there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, how, how old is your daughter? My daughter's nine years old. Okay. But you know, it's nice that she's asking those questions. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like when yeah. we were little, like we were like, oh, I mean, I was, I didn't grow up mostly in my town, but I, by talking with others, I feel like there are other people that don't ask that question when they were that age and they're like, just assume other try to assimilate or kind of like try to, como like, you know, the unirse to the main culture, you know what I mean? Cause Mm -hmm. I feel like that happens a lot with like, okay, you come to this predominant, like either Mexican, either white area. Um, and then you're like, oh, now I'm questioning my identity. So now mm-hmm. I have to kind of like make myself appear more like them. That way exactly. that we kind of know like, we're like, so it's nice to see your daughter asking those questions. Cause like, you know, and that's a good answer of saying like, she's both because I feel like some people can like be, bias just because it, mm-hmm. if in your area there's a more predominant like you know other cultures and something but one of the things that I really like that you said is that when we didn't know how to answer that question when someone tells us like oh we are Mexicans because a lot of us make a lot of it wait 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 don't call me like that you know like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like oh don't I'm not right until we realize that it's just that other people don't knowing one how to ask the question Right. Because again, I always tend to say like the it base, you know, you, you know, the Bay Area, I'm here in L.A., almost the whole California, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like state is, is mainly predominant Mexican. So when someone asks you, I feel is because that's what they know, you know, that's what mm-hmm. they know, like mostly like are. Exposed to. Mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And as we as like, we growing up, we don't know how to answer it because at the same time, right? Like, wait, it's not that I don't want to associate to that culture. It's just that I am not, you know. So mm-hmm. I feel like it, the same way when I was asked the question, I was like, oh, no, I'm not, you know. Until now, I'm like, 
oh, I am actually now Mexican. I'm this. I feel like it's now like I'm trying to educate you that We're changing not the everyone. Right? Exactly. And I think yeah. that is a positive thing. Hopefully, like the generations to come can start continue to change the narrative because it does create a sense of negativity within our like communities. And I feel sometimes the, the Mexican American, the Chicanos and Mexican, they feel that we don't want to associate it with them, but it's not like that. So I feel like okay. it was really nice to hear that from you. Um, oh, thank you. So, yeah. You know, you, you remind me because when I was little, my mom used to tell me like, you're not Nicaragüense, you're American. Like she used to tell me that. And I don't think she said it in a negative way. I think it was more of along the lines of like, you have privilege being an American. Take advantage mm -hmm. of those privileges. We are not American. We're residents, we're U.S. citizens, but we will never have the full privilege being an American born here like you. And so that mm -hmm. was what my mom was trying to say, you know, being a mm -hmm. housekeeper, my dad working in maintenance, like they had to have those labor intensive jobs because yeah. they didn't have access or even have the time to walk into academia walls, right? They had to do what they had to do to provide for their family. So when my mm -hmm. mom would tell me that in a way, and, and even that I still argue like, no, I am Nicaragüense. Like I used to tell her that. Right. But then in a way she would yeah. say like, yeah, but when people ask you, it's like, you're born here, you have Nicaraguan mm -hmm. parents, but you have American privilege. No one else yep. can tell, no one can deport you. No one can take your language away. Like all these things that were stripped away from, from their sense of belonging. Right. You know, being mm -hmm. in Nicaragua yep. and then having to leave because now their sense of belonging was being disrupted by the civil war and mm -hmm. at same thing with Salvadorians, you know, like there's a lot of history within Central America that that's happening to come here. And then, you know, thinking that you're living the American dream or that you have access to that to now be like, Oh, now you're an immigrant. Oh, now you're undocumented. Yep. You're this or mm -hmm. that, you know? And so that's what my mom was trying to tell me. She was like, nobody can deport you because you don't agree with them. You know, you don't have that fear of being deported. You don't have that fear of not speaking English. You don't have that fear mm -hmm. of not, you know, of not having a U.S., you know, birth certificate, you know, like you yeah. are, you have every right to be here just like anybody else. So when she, so again, later on, you kind of start, you know, um, remembering those conversations and you're like, mm -hmm. wow, my parents were right. You know, even though at the yeah. time at my daughter's age, I had no idea what they were talking about. Now that I grew older, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, that really helped me navigate these spaces because yeah. they're right. I don't have fear of being deported. Like if anything, I'm that much louder because I'm like, well, you can't deport me. You know, if you want to be talking to Latinos yeah. and talk shit about them, well, you can't deport me. So fear something else out. Oh, well, I'm educated. I have a degree. So you can't use that up. Oh, I speak English. You can't use that. You know, so mm -hmm. all these negative things that Latinos were being perceived on. It's like I had to make sure that I made it. And I had to make sure that I was there representing Nicaragüenses, Latinos, Mexicanos. Like I wanted to make sure that I was not, I was changing the narrative like we talked earlier mm -hmm. of yep. what, you know, the dominant culture perceives as, you know, what a Latina looks like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with you. One of the things I would like to talk in this uh, podcast is that like you said, you know, you have a degree, you're working through your PhD. And as your mom has told you, you know, yeah, there's a privilege of you being an American, um, having parents from Nicaragua, but at the same time, like navigating those spaces as a first generation can be mm -hmm. very extremely hard. So, like, how was your like path of like career path from you from like bachelor degree all the way to phd 
yeah, you know, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be navigating college, you know? I honestly thought it was like, okay, I'm going to fill out this application, I'm going to attend, and I'm going to rely on professors and counselors and the entire system, right, to tell me where I needed to go. I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. it, we're already conditioned K through 12 to think that way, right? We have to yeah. rely on the teachers and rely on that administration staff. When you get to college, it's a whole different ball game, right? And so mm-hmm. I honestly, it was hard for me to transition, even though I graduated early, I, I, um, I was awarded scholarships to go into community college. You know, I graduated from a continuation school, so I couldn't, gra- I couldn't admit, I couldn't apply to a four-year university. I have to go to community college. So, okay. um, when I was at community college, I was failing my classes, English and math. I couldn't even tell you, like, I have so many withdrawals in the beginning of my semesters because I honestly didn't know what I was doing and I wanted to drop out. And it wasn't until, um, a Latina counselor was like, you are not dropping out. I'm going to enroll you in Puente, you know, try it out. I think this is something along the lines of what you're looking for. And I didn't realize that what I was looking for was a sense of belonging, you know, like at my community college. Right. So when I, when I attended Puente and I'm like, what I'm reading about like Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Like I've never even heard of these people. Like, why did I not hear about this K through 12, you know? And then I'm listening or I'm learning about, you know, the revolution, the different revolutions throughout Latin American countries. Right. And then I'm writing an essay about it. And I was still kind of like, wow, I can't believe that I could write an essay about this, you know, not about us history, not about like all these other things that we learn in history class. So I just fell in love with, the culture and I fell in love with the program. And so, um, I changed my major from criminal justice to Latino studies. And I did move because I moved at that time I lived in Mountain View and Foothill College is in Los Altos. And so I moved closer to San Francisco and, uh, I moved out when I was 20. I mean, I had a car payment. I was working full time, going to school full time. I didn't have any kids yet. And I changed schools because I was like, Hmm oh, I don't like this school. A lot of people don't look like me. I'm going to go somewhere else here. Like I I was always trying to find excuses, but again, growing up, I'm like, wow, these are not excuses. You know what I'm saying? Like these Mm -hmm. are real lived experiences. This was my lived experience. Right. And I didn't really have anyone that I can like talk to and try to make, you know, um, to make sense of it. And so when I went to city college of San Francisco, I said, okay, I'm just going to haul ass. I'm going to just take all the courses I need to, to grad to transfer to San Francisco state university. And I did that. And I remember walking, you know, on campus at San Francisco state and I'm like, wow, like I finally made it. Like it took me seven years to get here, but I made it. And then once I went to SF state, I took like five, six classes each semester. I was working full time and then um, I graduated, but it took me nine years to get my bachelor's degree, nine years. And that was like having a gap year, working full time, you know, just a lot of these, you know, real life scenarios, you know, that, exactly. that occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during that time, during my, um, while I, while I was um, getting my bachelor's degree, you know, I had an opportunity to work in housing. So I worked at AT AT&T, I worked at Home Depot, like I had all those retail experiences, but then I had an opportunity um, to work in housing as a leasing agent. And then 
as I was working in housing, you know, I was getting discounts on apartments, right? Or being offered discounts for apartments. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, knowing about your tenant rights in California. I was learning about evictions and and Section 8, you know, housing and voucher, like all these things that I was, that I've heard about, but I was never like in the front line and being exposed to. And so um, when I got my bachelor's degree, I got um, promoted to be a property manager. And so I was managing apartments. And it was at that particular opportunity that a resident who lived at the complex where I was working at, who was a professor at Kenyatta College, was motivating me to get my master's degree. And then I was like, yeah, I'll get my master's degree in like ethnic studies. Cause I felt like, wow, I would love to like teach what I learned in the Puente program, right? Or like in Latino studies. She's like, no, 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 you need to get your, your, uh, you need to get a master's in in business. I was like, business? I don't even do any business. Like, what are you talking about? I was thinking about financing, accounting, you know, stock markets, like, you know, and she's (laughs) like, no, 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 you are a businesswoman. You manage a multi-million dollar asset. You manage employees, you do payroll, you do capital assets, you do marketing, you do sales, you do customer service, you do account. And like, she went down the line and I'm like, wow, you're already doing business. it. <laughs> Wait, so I'm a businesswoman? And she goes, Yes, you are. And then I started thinking, like, employers do a very good job of making you feel like an employee and not a businesswoman. So then she recommended me to apply to this program, uh, which was down the street from my job at the time. Um, and the program was Notre Dame Dinamir University, the school, the graduate school. Um, and the program was the MBA. And so I said, uh, you know what, what do I have to lose? Let me just apply. And so she was my letter. She provided my letter of recommendations. I had to do a, a personal statement. I had to get my transcripts. I had to do all these things. And then I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get in. They're going to look at all my W's and my F's. And I'm totally not even going to get into graduate school. And when they called me and they said that I got in, I was like, what? I did? Like, no way. And they were like, yeah. So I was like, Okay, cool. So what I need to do next? Like I was honestly like, like a li- I felt like a little kid again. Like, okay, well, what do like, I need okay, to do? Like, let me do it again. Up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so then, and and I know we have other questions relating to like how I started Latinas with Masters, but mm-hmm. you know, when I um was in my master's program, you know, it was very different. You know, it was very different from San Francisco State for sure. Um, I was the only Latina in my class. And it wasn't until like this last semester, you know, I saw this, uh, I saw a Latina girl walk into class and I was like, girl, we BFFs and you don't even know it, you know, and then I ended up getting to know her and she's Guatemalan and she was, it was her last semester like me. And I'm like, cool. And I was like, and I have a picture of her, which I will share like on my page too, as we're approaching graduate season, you know, but I was just like, oh my God, I couldn't believe that I navigated these spaces for so long without having any type of mentorship without having any of like of my squads that I used that Mm -hmm. I love calling you know or like a sense of belonging seriously like I had imposter syndrome like no other and I had no idea what I was experiencing was imposter syndrome I was just like dude Mm -hmm. they're gonna find out I'm a fraud like I'm here doing business and marketing and it's like because the business and marketing that they're teaching me is not business and marketing and housing they're teaching me like the you know, um, like the beauty industry, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, regular businesses and like certain industries, right? And I'm like, but nothing about real estate, nothing about property management. I was just kind of like, how does this apply, you know? But my professor was like, 
we're teaching you the, you know, traditional tools and resources of marketing. Marketing is a transferable skill. You can apply the same concept in housing and real estate and higher education and this and that. And that's, it's all the same thing. So she's like, so I would recommend for you to whatever you're learning, when you have a project, apply it to your current job. So you can have so you can see it, you know, in real time, a real concept, a real issue. When she told me that, I was like, oh, this all makes sense now because now I'm able to see how decisions are made, right? Versus like, oh, they ain't trying to do it because, you know, they don't they don't want to help people. But no, it's like, what's the bottom line? What is the investment yeah. of return? There's like all these things that, again, I wasn't exposed to had I not gotten my master's. Right, right. And, and also now a very long getting, answer, but <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's cool. But now you're getting your PhD, right? Yes. Correct. And what what yeah, what is your PhD? So now I'm getting my doctorate in educational leadership. Um, so you know, again, another transition that I didn't think I was going to um I, I didn't think I was gonna get into graduate school again, you know, because I don't work in higher education, I don't have any education related degrees, you know, and Mills College in Oakland, you know, saw something that I, that we sometimes forget to see in ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 right now I'm, I'm in my last quarter, um, semester, actually it's going to turn into a quarter system soon, but, Mm -hmm. um, I'm in my last semester and I'll be starting my dissertation in the fall, you know, and my dissertation, my, what influenced my dissertation is my entire experience in academia, which is creating a sense of belonging for Latinas in higher education, you know, like how can we do that outside of higher education? Like, yes, we have some accountability there, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to wait and ask for permission from academia to tell me how I need to fit into these spaces. I'm going to find my own space. I'm going to create my own space. Um, and so that's, that's really the mindset behind Latinas with masters and my, my doctorate program. Wow. Wow. And I was going to say, like, I feel like, and and even you, you said it, right. You experience a lot of imposter syndrome. And I think that is so common, like, going through college and I mean, I have an experience master, but that is one of the reasons that sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know why should I go to my master's degree? Cause I have two majors. Right. So I'm like, which mm-hmm. one should I pick? I sometimes I feel that way. And it's the same imposter syndrome that we, and, but I'm so glad that you found someone that pushed you to get your master. And then that you were able to kind of like visualize more opportunities, not only for you, mm-hmm. but it was what well, I'll say inspire you to create this platform and to future create more resources and spaces for those who are looking for pathway not only for masters but for like bachelor's degree masters phd and all all those spaces to have a sense of belonging because sometimes i don't know uh, those you're in your ba you had a lot of like latinos like community within your classmates yeah, I mean, all my professors mm-hmm. were Latinos, right? Being in a okay. Latino studies program at the time, mm-hmm. it was called La Raza Studies. Okay. Um, you know, one of my good friends, she was half Guatemalan. Um, actually, no, I think she was full Guatemalan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, in in those spaces, there was a lot of Central Americans. Yeah. There were a lot of Mexicans as well. But you know, I wasn't the only Nicaraguense or the only Latina. You mm-hmm. know, um, and 
these students came from all over the country, you know, and some of them even international, you know, and so I was, you know, very blessed to be exposed to those types of, um, or to learn from those experiences mm-hmm. from other people, you know, other than someone like myself, that's from the Bay area, you know, we learned yeah. that a lot too. Right. But it's mm-hmm. always nice to have a different perspective, you know? Yeah. And definitely. And I think that is very nice. Like you had the opportunity, right? Like I, I will say like at the beginning, right. With the bachelor's degree that you had a sense of like the people around you, you can relate to them, but I feel mm-hmm. sometimes there's people who can't, don't like they go to different major who are predominant many other cultures and they don't have the sense of belonging so that's when we don't have the sense of belonging that's where imposter syndrome kicks in it's like am i supposed to be here am i doing something mm-hmm. wrong oh my god i'm gonna mess it up or like if we get like a c or something oh my god like i'm not built for this or something like all those questions run through run through someone you know because it have truly like honestly run through mine and probably have run through through your mind a couple of times and i felt like and then right you know i'm i'm going to we're gonna go more in the with like latinas with masters and i feel like Mm -hmm. it's an amazing platform because what better thing is to go to a platform that you're like okay you're here to make it you know like you don't have to feel like oh no I don't want to get my master's because I want like it's just you know it's just me like it's like the push that you need is the push that you mm-hmm. need to continue that sometimes we just need a little push to say we believe in you no matter your background we just believe in you believe me mm-hmm. you're gonna get it done and I feel like that's when I was like going through your platform and like I have we have talked before and I'll follow you and mm-hmm. I'm like damn like this is like it's honestly an inspiration but, you know, through all the journey and like a little bit of, of how you started Latinos with Master, what, I mean, you already went through your whole, like your career path, but what was like the moment that you realized, okay, I want to create these resources. I want to, and I think it's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I started thinking about my experience as a graduate student during my master's. And so I I started thinking about like, what did I not have? I didn't have a sense of belonging. I did feel imposter syndrome. You know, we had social media, but it wasn't like as intensive and out there as it is today. You know, I think mostly we were using Facebook, you know, but we were definitely not using Facebook, you know, as, um, as a resource guide, you know, it was always about like, look what I'm doing and look, here I am as a graduate student and here's my baby and all this other stuff. Right. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't like to share knowledge and information, you know? And so when I got admitted into my doctoral program, I was literally talking to my husband and I was like, you know what? I want to create like this platform online. I want to help more Latinas get into graduate school. I'm a Latina. I have a master's degree. Uh, you know, and so I'm talking to my husband and then he was like, Latinas with masters. And I was like, duh, like, hello. Like, you know? And so then um, I created, I created the name and I was like, I want to use the color brown because, you know, uh, growing up, I was always been called like Negrita, Morenita, you know, and even though that's like, you know, in some spaces or in some situations, they were like calls of endearment. Sometimes I used to be like, you know, why am I getting, you know, treat it like this. Is it because I'm brown? Is it because I'm dark skinned? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? You know, but so I wanted to embrace the color brown, right? I know we all come in different shades, of course. Um, and so then again, kind of going back to be like, okay, so I'm going to create this platform. I'm going to share my wisdom. I'm going to share um, my knowledge. I'm going to share my experience that I experienced during graduate school. 
Uh, but I'm also going to highlight other Latinas getting into graduate school, other Latinas who have graduated in graduate school, um, and then sharing, you know, their industry, their passion. Um, and it, it started like that. And then overnight, it kind of just blew up. Like not overnight, but overnight, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. because mm -hmm. what I was hearing was, damn, where were you? Where, where was Latinas with masters when I was going to graduate school? Right. Which is exactly my point. And then it was <laughs> like, oh, I'm so glad I found your platform. I want to get into graduate school or like, hey, I'm getting my doctorate degree and um, I would love to help other Latinas get into grad. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, yeah. wow, it's like this unity, this community of Yes, there needs to be more of us in these spaces because of what we've experienced. They weren't supposed to be normal. You know, you're navigating spaces that were not built for us. And you start learning that the higher that you get, because the higher mm -hmm. you get, the less you see us. Right. And so yep. then, um, so I started Latinos with Masters with that intention. And that just, you know, people were definitely reaching out with, uh, reaching out to me to, how can I do to help you? Can you please come talk at our college? Can you please come talk to our Puente program? Can you please, you know, and I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Because I wish I had someone that looked like me walk into these spaces to tell me, yes, all the bullshit that you're going through. Yes, it's going to be hard. You're going to get through it. And this is how, you know? Yep. And so, um, so I'm always honored when I'm like a guest, you know, a keynote speaker, a panelist, whatever it is, like I'll do it because I do it with passion. I do it with intention. I do it because these are the same spaces that my kids are going to be navigating, you know? Yeah. And I'm a strong believer that just because it was hard for me, it doesn't mean it has to be hard for you. It doesn't mean it has to be hard for future generation leaders. Um, and I'm the first one to tell you that you don't have to have a degree to be successful. My husband's very yeah. successful working in healthcare. My parents were very successful in their industries and their careers that they were in. What I'm saying is, is that if you choose to go down this path, you have a whole gang of Latinx individuals who navigated the spaces that are here to help you and share information, to help, to make it more of a smoother transition, a smoother journey for you to, again, walk on this journey of academia, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, and, that, and that's what Latinas with Masters is about. You know, it, it's definitely a brand, you know, which is what I'm wearing, the Latinas with Masters, you <laughs> yeah, know, uh, that a lot of people <laughs> love to uh, represent when they graduate college or even if, if they're a future Latina with Masters, you know? Um, uh, but it's also a sense of belonging. It's the sense of belonging that I didn't have during graduate school. It's the sense of belonging that I am continuing to um, to have an appetite for as I you know, navigate as a doctoral student mm -hmm. in graduate school, right? Because again, the higher you get, the less you see us. I have a very diverse um, cohort, but there's probably only, I think there's only two Latinas in that cohort, you know, but a lot of the, a lot of my colleagues, we have shared experiences because we're from the Bay Area, you know, mm -hmm. I learned a lot from Black women. I learned a lot from Indigenous women. I learned a lot from Asian women, you know, these are all shared experiences that we have, you know, um, but Latinas with Masters also, it's it's an advocacy for equity in education. It's an advocacy for equity in in um, in uh, securing housing during graduate school. I mean, there's a lot of things that Latinas with Masters represents other than 
having a platform mm-hmm. um, as a marketer, as an MBA grad, right? The, I, I definitely mm-hmm. know how to use the platform um, to our advantage, you know, but then there's a lot of behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see because, you know, I'm, I'm walking the walk, but I'm also talking the talk, you know, yeah. um, when it comes to it. And, and I definitely feel like I'm a little bit different because yo no tengo pelos en la lengua, you know, like, I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. huh, that's not serving us. Why are we doing it this way? You know, like, why are we continuing mm-hmm. to do it this way? Just because it's a policy or just because this was the way we've been doing it does not mean that it is ethical. And so yep. I call people out like that. And then they're just like, you know, they get kind of like thrown off. But, you know, again, I'm not here to, I'm not here for us to conform to spaces that were not built for us and that are not serving us. Like, yeah. I'm really here for change um, to help all of us and, and however equitable pathway that need, you know, that needs to guide you to your academic success. Definitely. Hey, I know we don't like ads, but before we continue with the episode, I wanted to tell you that if you like our content, it would mean a lot if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Also, don't forget to follow us on the rest of our social media platform. And now let's continue with the episode. You know, sometimes I feel like within the, the community, sometimes we're like, Oh no, you have to go to college, especially our parents, right? You're like, you have to go yeah. to college. You have to go to college. But I feel like we, you have to make that decision if you want to go to college or if right. you want to go to a different. But if you want to go to college, there is, you know, um, I tend to say this when I'm talking about like the podcast. Mm-hmm. I just want one in the future to see someone back that they're like, oh, I, you know, I'm Central American, I'm pretending this. And it's like, Wow, you know, like we went through such a hard time for you, future generation, to not go mm-hmm. through. You know, mm-hmm. for you to have these resources, for you to, you know, like go to those places and be like, you know what, that is not the way to treat others. That's not the way to put put you 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 know using platforms or you know these resources they have in school. That is not the way. This is how we should start being more inclusive, more welcoming, more more this and that, and that way and the future future generations comes Mm -hmm. you know they don't have to go through what we have to what what we went through right Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. like like you said you did the walk you did the talk and then you just want the other ones to not experience this you know what i mean because we know how hard it is we know how like you get to those places and sometimes you just want to run because like they're looking at you kind of weird like what the heck are you doing here like you like they even question if you're something else rather than a student and it's like Mm -hmm. no you know you belong in those spaces you more you have to be there there's a reason why you have to be there. And that's, you know, for me, that's like what represents Latinas with masters, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and then for me, I personally feel like it's not only it, you're the platform to only embrace those who actually go to grad school, but to everyone who decides to take that journey, because Correct. it's like, yeah, isn't like, I, I probably think the percentage already increased, but isn't it just four, 4% of Latinas have a degree or something like that? I think I have um, read that. I want to say it's twelve percent of. Okay. Um, but I was like, I think that that percentage increased because I'm like, I don't think it's only four percent now. Um, for Latinas, I believe it's two percent of master's okay. degrees. For doctor oh, degrees, okay. it's one percent. 
Wow. Yeah. And then I want to say for bachelors is higher, of course. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think for bachelor, for bachelor, I think it should be higher than 4%. I would Mm -hmm. definitely say Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, like, I feel like we see those percentage and we're like, oh my God, like, how is is it, if it's that little because it's that hard? No, is it that little because the system doesn't want you there? Yeah. You know, and you have to, you have to be there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's high percentages of Latinos being enrolled, being admitted. Yeah. But then what is, what is the retention rate, right? Like when it comes to completing a degree, why does it drop out Mm -hmm. so low, you know, Um, or it drops out, you know, a lot where the Mm -hmm. graduation rates are low. Yeah. And also, you know, you say right now retention, there is a reason of retention, right? For you, you know, there is a lot of people like signing up to go to college, but why they didn't like graduate, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason Mm -hmm. because in the middle, it's not that they're lost. It's not that they don't want to. It's not that they're not pushing enough. The reason is that the system is not, it's not built for us, one, and that there is no spaces for you to go be like, man, like I feel this way. And they're like, oh, you're complaining. Like, you know, you have those mm-hmm. type of places mm-hmm. and you're like, it's not that me complaining. How are you going to understand that I, you know, like I have to work a job to, for order to pay X, Y, and Z things, you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel yeah. like that is the, there needs to be spaces for that. And I'm so glad to see Latinos with master kind of like a sense, not only advocating for those who want to take the steps for higher education, but for everything around it, because everything Absolutely. needs to be like taking consideration rather than inclusive just, for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. You know, that's why I always say that Latinas with masters is more than just a degree. It's a community beyond academia. Right. So yeah. yes, we focus on academia, of course, but we're also talking about working full time, being a parent, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with microaggressions at work, racial battle fatigue. I mean, there's like so many things that we experience mm-hmm. that we don't know we're experiencing them until you open up a book or someone tells you like, that is a microaggression. That is a micro assault. Yep. That's racial battle fatigue. That is discriminate. You know, you're like, what? That's not normal. Like I wasn't supposed to experience all that because yep. again, I'm learning from my parents, right? That they just had to take the racism. They had to take the discrimination, right? Because they mm-hmm. didn't want to get deported. They didn't want, even though they came here legally, they had residency just like everybody else who comes to this country, not just Latin America, right? Still, there's always this fear of like, oh, they're going to send me back because I wasn't yeah. being the model citizen that the United States wanted me to be or this dominant culture wants me to be, right? And then that's why my mom was saying, you don't have... um that fear you have that Mm -hmm. privilege to speak up and be who you are and not worry about being deported don't let anybody tell you otherwise because you are u.s born Mm -hmm. in this space you know and so that's what my mom was trying to say you know and and even in us talking about central american voices i mean even in you know even though in san francisco state i did read books that were more central american focused like i took a central american poetry class which i absolutely loved um even now, as I'm doing my dissertation and reading all these articles, guess what? Guess what voice is not in literature? Central American voices, right? Mm-hmm. I think I found one article about Salvadorians. I find articles on Nicaragua, which 
specifically are about the war. Um, mm-hmm. There's issues about domestic violence. You know, there's um, literature on migration to the United States, but there isn't any literature of Central Americans in higher education. And so that's why I wanted to focus my dissertation on my narrative, on my counter story of how I became successful as a Nicaraguense American, right? Mm-hmm. But then also, how does that, how does my experience, um, like what you said earlier, motivated me to create Latinas with Masters, right? Latinas mm-hmm. with Masters is an inclusive space, of course, for all Latinos. You don't, even, you don't even have to be Latino or Latinx or anything like that, right? This is just mm-hmm. who I identified with. And, you know, I shared the 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 history of how the name was created, of course, right? <laughs> but um, I that's the reason why I wanted to do my dissertation on that. So there is literature being searched and my literature mm-hmm. comes up of being Nicaragüense, of being Central American, mm-hmm. because my lived experience is just as valid as everybody else's, you yeah. know, um, even if it's not in academia and if, even if it's not in literature, our parents and our ancestors lived experiences are valid experiences. Right. Um, and so that is something that is missing in academia that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we get more you know, graduate students and um, PhD students to to create more literature like that, you know, so so our children and our future generations can read and learn about our culture of what we've experienced, yep. right, as Central Americans. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think it's, it's, it's true what you said, like, you know, those voices. And I mean, technically, you put it, that, that's the reason I created this podcast, you know, because I mm-hmm. felt like, wait, people need to hear us. You know, people need to come and listen to our stories because our stories are valid. You know, our experience are valid and you need to take in consideration our stories instead of a general narrative or whatever you Mm want to call us. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's really nice seeing that you're trying to change that because I can, I only can imagine, even if I was just in like a bachelor's degree, I couldn't, even with the Central American Studies major, It was so hard to find Central American articles outside of what my professor was giving us, you know? Yeah, I mean, I related, that's why I relate to, you know, Chicana feminism, Latino Mm -hmm. critical race theory, you know, um, critical race theory. I mean, these are all the things that I related to because I understand also that, like, I look Black, you know? I don't, you know, a lot of people, and I know one of the questions that, um, that we were going to talk about too, is like, what challenges have I had creating Latinas with masters? Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the challenges is colorism, you know, like I get of other, I get a lot of platforms or or I see other platforms who I'm a fan of, who I follow Mm -hmm. and they don't promote Latino platforms like Latinas with masters that look like me and they're all white passing Latinas. And it's not to say that that's anything bad, more power mm-hmm. to you. I will support each and every one of you. If you look at my kids, they're white passing Latinos. My husband has mm-hmm. light complexion. I'm darker complexion. My kids look like my husband, right? So mm-hmm. I'm also conscious of the type of kids that I'm raising as well, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I can't turn my skin color off, you know? No. I am who I am. And so when I have my followers or my friends really because that's what I love calling them is my amigos right they they hit me up and they're like damn that's messed up I saw this platform and you know they were showcasing you know you know top you know 
10 Latinx, you know, uh, platforms to follow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see Latinas with masters on there. And I think that's fucked up and da, 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 right. And they're coming up to me and I'm like, <laughs> absolutely girl. Like I hear you. Like, what am I going to do? One is yeah. I'm not asking for permission. That space does not validate me. Is it nice to be acknowledged? Absolutely. Would yeah. I love to see my space in there? 100% because it's not for me. It's for other Latinos and Latinx who could have come across your page and be like, oh, Latinas with masters. I've never seen that before. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. And then decide to follow me, right? It's exactly. about the accessibility and the information that you're sharing. But when all of the people look the same, it's hard not to, as a darker complexion Latina, to be like, wow, not one person looks like me on here, right? Exactly. And that's where I relate to Black women, right? Mm-hmm. When they look at space and they're like, wow, there's not one Black woman on there, 100%. I mean, I'm very conscious of certain things like that, you know? And sometimes I speak up about it. Sometimes me quedo callada. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I I, I don't want to be triggered. I'm just going to like walk away. But you, we deal with this mm-hmm. like all the time, girl, all the time. Yeah. And that's probably one of the challenges that I have with Latinas with masters is that, yeah, you'll have some people that may say that my platform is not validated enough. Well, I'm not here for your validation. I'm not mm-hmm. here for your permission. Right. But also um, it's just sad that as, Latinos or Latinx or Central Americans, you know, there's mm-hmm. still colorism within our culture that you have to look a certain way, yeah. right? Um, to be, you know, promoted or validated. And that's the part that I don't agree with, right? Because yeah. I don't discriminate. I don't, it's very inclusive, right? You don't have to be, you know, heterosexual or you don't have to be, you know, Spanish speaking, you know, to be part yeah. of Latinas with masters, right? Um and so, yeah, that's probably one of the things that's disheartening to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more disheartening. It's disheartening when I see it and I'm just kind of like, you know, damn, that sucks. And then I move on. It's even more disheartening when I get messages in my inbox for, from like friends who are like, that's fucked up. And like, yeah. why is Latinas with masters not on there? Or like, oh, I reached out to them and this is what they said to me. Or I reached out to them and they didn't reach out to me, you know? And that sucks because I respond to everybody, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm one person, I'm not a robot, I'm not an AI messenger, you know, (laughs) like you are legit talking to me when you are, you know, um, messaging me. And I Mm -hmm. love that, you know, but yeah, that's probably the thing that sucks, to be honest with you. And, Mm -hmm. um, and all I know is all of those experiences are going to make one hell of a dissertation. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. That's my lived experience, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, us navigating predominantly white spaces, not only in higher education, but even in the media, you know? Yep. Like, oh, girl, and media is a whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> we can, we can have like two, we, we can have two hours talking about media. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, it's true. It's honestly truly sad to see colorism play a place, even when you have a platform. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even when absolutely. you have a platform that you should be not only, of course, of your work, uh, of who you are, but your work, but you're not taking consideration just the, because of the way you look. That is correct. That is so, yeah. and it's it sad. And then I try to sometimes when I make uh, what's it called podcast and or post, I try to call the colorism because us Latinos sometimes we don't understand how like ingrained in our brain it is. It is, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like you have to call it off. You have to call it off in your parents. You have to call it off in your primos. Tu amigo lo que sea. 
because it's so like we, if we're not we 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 need to change the narrative, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Even in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. it's the same thing, you know. And oh, they're yeah. like, "Yo no soy indio, no me llame indio, yo no soy negra." Oh. And I'm like, but you look that you look indio though, and you speak, yeah. you know. But even even there, and, and and you're right. It's 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 embedded in our DNA, right? It's embedded mm -hmm. in the way that we were raised, you know. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, even in learning about, you know. um, Nicaragüense culture and learning about all those indigenous, um, mm -hmm. you know, tribes that were colonized by Spanish, mm -hmm. right? And then the whole history of like how we became mestizos and how we became this and how we became that. And I say we because some of us are in that mix, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even then, right, you can have the characteristics of being indigenous or have the char characteristics of being like Afro Latino. And even then, they're like, yo no soy. You know, yeah. and that's sad because there's nothing wrong with that. It's just yeah. the colonization of Spaniards coming into these countries and making us think that unless we're not Spanish or we don't look European, mm -hmm. then we're not valid as a human race. Exactly. And that's the part that I continue to see even here in the United States as an American. And I'm doing air quotes, everybody. Right. <laughs> is that I'm still, you know. And, and it's true. It's like, you're not American enough to Americans and you're mm -hmm. not Latino enough to Latinos. And it's just like, well, what the hell am I then? Like, yeah. why is it that I'm always trying to find a sense of belonging or a culture of belonging? Why am I always trying to having to validate my identity? It's just like, it gets exhausting, you know, after a while. Yeah, it's exhausting. And I truly, I... I feel you on that. It's, it's, but also, you know, the feel like, you know, when people have that type of, I am not this and that, is because that bad of, can, like, the connotation that it comes with those, you know. It, in Latin America, and especially, like, in Central America, where I have grew up in Honduras, calling you someone Indio, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's seen as stupid, Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, so sometimes mm -hmm. it's like because of that i feel like something had like no, yeah, push. India. yeah like, exactly yeah, people I'm, have I'm a push India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah people create the push of like no like i'm not this i'm not that but i feel like mm -hmm. we need to take a step think because those type of connotation come because of colonization right that's why mm -hmm. they used to call you know people like dumb or stupid or whatever you want to call it and but there is also a sense of embracement of their culture, their tradition, stuff like that. And I think we need to start with that. And it's, again, when you come to this, to the spaces, even if you migrate here, or even if you go to college over there in Latin America, there's always mm -hmm. a sense like, oh my God, I don't belong here because so, mm -hmm. so yeah, because there's, you know, there's the whole thing with like, I mean, we all know those white spaces, but <laughs> mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the, I wanted to close, uh, I mean, you have such a, like a lot of advices and I know, I know I'm like, I'm learning so much from you, but I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you and kind of to close everything, what is an advice that you will give someone who wants to pursue a master's or PhD degree? Yeah, you know, definitely pursue a master's because you want to you know, and even if you wanted to at the time and you're in your program and then you decide, you know what, this is not for me, that's also okay. You know, honestly, if you can just stick through it, do it, obviously. But if you, if it's affecting your mental health, affecting the way you show up with your family, affecting all of these things that are priority to you and important to you, then don't do it, honestly, because 
it's a lot. It's a lot because then you start feeling you start feeling like, who am I doing this for? If I'm not enjoying graduate school, why am I doing it? Who am I doing this for? You know, and sometimes you do have to push through. I know that at the time when I was, you know, getting my graduate degree, I mean, I had a three year old daughter. I got pregnant with my son. I ended up having prepartum depression. Uh, my grandpa died. I mean, there was like a lot of things that I was just like, oh my God, there's no way that I can finish this program. But it was, I don't know what it was. It was just like the sentimiento of like, no, I have to push through. I have to push through. Right. Because I wanted to, right. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to get that promotion because I wanted to apply for places where a master's degree was the minimum. And I qualified for those positions, you know, mm-hmm. um, your purpose and your, and your whys are going to change. But as long as you always wanted to do it for yourself, then I would continue to pursue a graduate degree. But if you're doing it for somebody else to fulfill someone else's dream, you're not going to enjoy it. And then you're going to realize I'm in debt with this degree that I did not fall in love with or that I did not agree with. Um, And I know a lot of people that resent their degree, not because of like, because they got a degree and they were able to move forward, but because of that experience at the time. So um, with that note, I would also, you know, I would also not wait for higher institutions or ask permission for anyone to find your sense of belonging. So definitely look at platforms like Central American Voices, Latinas with Masters. I mean, there's Perez, the advisor who talks about mental health, right? And masculinity. There's Cafecito con Estrellita. There's Chats with Yvonne. There's Academic Mujer. I mean, now there's like so many platforms that are talking about space about higher education and different experiences and you know from different people so you can find your culture of belonging right I mean even me as a graduate student in doctoral um, studies I rely heavily on those platforms like doctorahood moximara um you know um uh, Dr. Angel Jones, you know, these are mm-hmm. women who have already had their doctor degree, navigated a doctoral program. And now I'm kind of like, damn, this is hella hard. I'm like emotionally exhausted. I have a platform. I'm a mother. I'm working. But then I see them and I'm like, but I know I can do it. If they did it, I know I can do it, you know? And so those are my support systems too, you know? So in a two-part advice event, I guess is what I'm saying <laughs> is do it for yourself, but then also don't be afraid to look for spaces in which who you identify with to help you navigate those shitty times that you're going to experience during graduate school. Yeah. Honestly, like don't be afraid to ask, send them a DM. Hi, my name is Christina. I want to get a master's degree or I'm in my master's program or I want to get a PhD or I'm Central American. I am queer. I'm a mother, whatever it is that you want to identify or that who you identify with. And if this platform offers you that space, introduce yourself, find a space of belonging there. That's going to help you navigate what you're going through. And honestly, I feel like that will make the transition a lot easier. Again, I did not have that, but I have that now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I personally see the difference. I feel the difference. And all the energy that I put in Latinas with Masters is because, one, I'm tired of us, you know, navigating spaces that don't look like us. And then I'll I'll experience something that's very, like, microaggression or something that has to do with some identity. And I'm like, 
somebody needs to hear this. Somebody has experienced this, even though I don't relate to it. I know somebody else has. And then long and behold is this happened to me or like, I can't, you know, or like, yeah, or whatever it is. Right. So, so again, uh, those are, those are advices that I wish I had, um, going to graduate school. But again, if you are ready to embark on a graduate school journey, just know that there are a shitload of Latinos that look like you that have succeeded, that are navigating this space that can help you along your journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christina, for uh, your advice, for all your knowledge, for coming here to share with us. Uh, before we kind of like close everything, I want you to have the space for you to share not only your platform, but where they can find you. Um, you said I'm, everything will be linked in the description box, but I just want you to have the space to share all your platforms. Absolutely. Yeah. You can follow me at Latinas with Masters. Um, I'm on every social media platform, Twitter, TikTok. Instagram, Facebook. God, I don't even know what else is out there. Um, <laughs> then there's the Latinas with Masters podcast. Yes. Um, season two. Yeah, so season two is dedicated to the fellas because they were like, oh, what's up with the Latinos? They have master's degrees too. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Yes, let's get you on here. So the guys want a little bit of love. Um, again, you don't have to identify with being a male um, or anything like that. But, you know, uh, so that's that's kind of the path that I'm going to for season two. Um, and then the website, latinaswithmasters.com. And yeah, I mean, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Send me an email. Send me a DM. Um, I'm currently taking um, slots to be like keynote speakers and panelists. I know that I have a, a few coming up at universities. And so if you follow my page, you know, if I'm in a, in a city near you, you know, just come by and say mm -hmm. hi or attend the conferences because, you know, that that's probably what I um, love sharing the most is sharing my experiences and then how, you know, that relates to, to someone else and helping them uh, with their journey. Yeah. Definitely. And thank you. Thank you again, everybody. Everything will be linked down below, but just go and check her out, follow her, and then go to visit her podcast. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. Before I say hasta luego or onto our next episode, if you like our content and would like to support my work, you can join our patron or donate through our website. Also, don't forget that year-round we're accepting donation for our Voices Scholarship. All the information is always in the description box. And also, don't forget to come back for our next episode.